head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast the pride of limerick the young man named sean sheehan the mma media don graham mcdonald the severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot. And I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 205 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Juan Basaka of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. As we... As we talk about what we what we can talk about this week on the Severe MMA podcast, we look back at the UFC card from last night. It was pretty mad. No UFC card next week, so uh, we will get into the, this one fairly big. There's lots of fight announcements uh, came during the week. We'll talk about all of those. Bellator had a fight of the year contender on Friday night uh, on Sky Sports and loads of other things as well. I suppose before we kind of get into the UFC and our, and our main uh, topics, 1FC is on right right now as we speak so hopefully we'll get the results uh, as we go but uh if we don't i'm gonna make the q a free this week anyway so i'll talk about one fc a little bit there demetrius jansen's fight eddie alvarez's fight so head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast and you can get that one for free it'll be out uh tuesday morning so do that there find it there send in your questions as well now i'll, I'll probably record it uh sunday night so send in your questions after you listen to this podcast and uh even send them during the week as well because we'll, we'll answer them next week anyway so no problem about that Graham, how are you? How are things? How was your... Well, I suppose your weekend isn't over yet. How was your uh, Saturday, Friday, and week in general? Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, I was out for was out drinking on Friday, so I was dying yesterday, but I'm, I'm okay now. <laughs> it's We're getting a bit old for the old drinking. I know we've, we've talked about this before, but I have like a drinking session coming up here in like a month's time, and I'll, I'm already like trying to mentally prepare dreading myself. Not, not, <laughs> not, not, not so much dreading it, but kind of mentally prepare myself. Gone very old for the old drinking, like very old for the and it's you know it's i think we talked about it kind of last week but it's well a couple of weeks ago but it's isn't it great like the summer is back the clocks have gone forward now we're gonna have the long evenings it's warm outside i'm gonna have a barbecue today limerick are in the league final god almighty what, what more could you want hurling liverpool are on the telly later on uh, i think there was some rugby thing on yesterday or something brilliant didn't it i love summer some rugby thing or something. Yeah, I, was. <laughs> I, I saw a bit of uh, I saw a bit of Linster and Linster playing Ulster. Some dude like ran over the line with the ball and was putting it down, and then just like didn't bother putting it down. Like what an idiot! And in the Ulster, and then they lost by like two points or something, did they? My God, it was funny actually. I was in uh, Munster playing yesterday at like half twelve or something, and I was in uh, I was in Limerick, and I did the pennies. And usually on a Saturday, like you go into Pinnies in Limerick, and the place is absolutely packed. And I like I went in, and like the, all the women's section was like full, loads of people there. And then I turned left to the to the men's section, was like, oh, this is totally empty. <laughs> Everyone was like watching the match. It was gone. I was like, oh, this is great. I can just walk around. This whole place is empty. So that's my future play now. Every time there's a monster rugby match on, I go into Pinnies and I'll buy stuff in there. So anyway, uh, what, actually, what do you think of uh, before we get on the MMA? What do you think of uh, your boy Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer? Yeah, like, I, we talked about it a while back, and I'm not totally against the appointment as manager, but what I am against is them doing it right now. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. Let's say Schultzer goes on, and, like, all he has to do is lose two league games, and they're probably going to finish sixth, and they're obviously not going to beat Barcelona and win the Champions League. So, like, is that a position to give a guy a job in? I, I don't know what it is. And then, you know, the argument is, oh, that not, that's not a great position to give it to uh, Pochettino or an Al, uh, Allegri or whatever. 
But I'm like, if they do give it to him, at least that's a position to build from anyway. But if Solskjaer gets that position, he's a dead man walking. Like, that's the biggest problem. Like, the, the biggest problem where so I feel... sack him. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's the problem. What's more than likely going to happen here is Solskjaer is going to get the sack next December. We're left with an interim manager again for six months. Will that interim manager do, manager do well for 10 games and then he'll get the job as well? And then we'll be left in the same position. Like, when does this end? Like, Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's, that's, <laughs> look, I hope he does brilliantly. I hope I'm 100% totally wrong. But these things, you know, past this prologue, it happened with Di Matteo before, it happened with other people as well, you know, I'm, I'm not too hopeful about it, but, you know, it, the, my, I'm, the reason I'm not hopeful is... Do, so you can get a big salmon in December, it'll be alright. <laughs> exactly. Oh, the reason I'm not, come back on now. I'm, I'm not hopeful. I, I heard a good, um, I heard a good quote the other day, and it's like, the eyes of one honest man is better than what everybody knows. And that, I think that's true with Solskjaer, because everyone's like, oh, he's won all these games, you know, and, and he's only lost a couple, and, and he's came back and he won again. It's like, okay, that, that's grand. The, the, the performances were brilliant for the first five, six, maybe ten games, but in the last seven or eight games, they have been absolutely woeful. They have been, the, He's got, you know, I, I wouldn't, just because he's lost a couple of games, that's nothing got to do with it. It's the performances have been pretty bad. So that's... That's my kind of thing about it. Maybe they, you know, they obviously need to buy loads of players. They need to put half a billion worth I thought of you, money I thought into you it. were a Mourinho supporter for ages, though. You love bad performances, no? Yeah, but I love... It's not... <laughs> I, I, I understand the performances of, of Mourinho, what he was trying to do. But Solskjaer's trying to do something different, and it's not, it's not, it hasn't been working for the last while. But look, hopefully he can get it to work again. Hopefully if they get three or four signings in, it might, might work even better. So I'm not, to, I'm not totally yeah. against Solskjaer, like, but I just think it's the wrong time. If... if if Man United do some heavy Barcelona and Liverpool get through as well, then it'll be Liverpool Man United, which would be which would be great. Yeah, that would be fun. But I've, I'd, I'd almost, seriously tense. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't care about the Champions League that much. So, like, if Liverpool won the Champions League, I it wouldn't be, I wouldn't like it, obviously. But it wouldn't be the end of the world. Like, I don't want Liverpool to win the league. So, like, if but if Man United actually lost to Barcelona, it'd be a little bit of a saving grace because <laughs> at least Barcelona would have a pretty good chance of beating Liverpool. Like. Man United, I don't think at this stage probably would over two legs, but look, we'll see anyway. These things, these things happen. We must do a soccer podcast again uh, coming up here soon, so hopefully we'll we'll do one over the next couple of weeks over on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Superman Podcast. All right, before we get into to the UFC and stuff, what about this this one FC card? You know, you you were the first one to kind of say it last week about it being. Like a pity that Dimitri Johnson and Eddie Alvarez were, were kind of on this stage. And I was thinking about it last night. You know, we were like four hours away from it when the UFC ended. And we've only got four hours sleep, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> And uh, no one was talking about it. And I saw a couple of, I think Mark Romandi's over there. And he was like, oh, I'm looking forward to going to this event. And like nobody else was, was you know, one tweet from the odd person. And we obviously talked about it last week. Isn't it such a pity, like, and uh, you're, you're dead right that even right now, Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez is just about to fight. Demetrius Johnson yeah. is fighting, and you know, it's... literally in a few minutes, like these guys are fighting one of the best fighters ever, and nobody knows or seems to care. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, John even Nash... more so than they did when he fought in the UFC. Yeah. Like I know people said, oh, nobody cares about the flyweights when they're in the UFC, but there'll be a lot more talk and buzz, especially in like the Twitter people that we be following and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like the our our Twitter feeds would usually have a lot, but people are just not going to do a big marathon of MMA or they're going to come back and watch it later or or, or they don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Like, the, the problem is, well, 
Uh, it's not just Demetrius Johnson. It might actually make Demetrius Johnson look bad. But Andrew Alvarez is a fan favorite, like, and, and not just him, but anyone apart from okay, well, let's say McGregor or a uh, or a John Jones or a D, you know, there's there's the few, the big the big names. Uh, even Ben Askren, you know, you mentioned it last week. Ben Askren's a great fighter. People love him. The the, the Twitter universe absolutely love uh, Ben Askren. And uh, but he went over to to one FC and he, nobody watched him. You know, okay, we watched him and, and the five or six other journalists in the world who can be bothered to get up at nine o'clock in the morning, in the morning and watched him. But that was it. And it's like, for me as a fight fan and as someone who's covering the sport, I need to look at that from that position as well. Because I think a lot of the time we've been looking at it from their position. And you should look at it from, from both positions as well. Demetrius Johnson kind of wanted to get out of the UFC. He wanted to go over to Asia and get a lot of money. He wanted to experience that new culture and everything. And that's no problem for him. But that's his point of view. But from our point of view, I want to see Demetrius Johnson fighting the best. I want to see him fighting Cejudo again to right that wrong. I want to see him fighting, you know... TJ Dillashaw or Marlon Moraes are down against Joseph Benavidez again. I've always wanted to see that that third fight. I want to see him fight for Amiga, who he's never fought. And he, it's, he's not. John Nash put up uh, a tweet about you know the, the ratings and or, or the rankings even in... Um, I think it's fight metric or whatever it's called. Okay, they're not too accurate, but you know, Demetrius Johnson, Eddie Alvarez, both ranked in the the top ten, top fifteen or whatever, and the guys are fighting are like you know two hundred and forty nine or something like that, and you know the question then I suppose is that is that right matchmaking or whatever and you know we, we could people could be listening to this podcast now and they both have lost but <laughs> I think that that's uh, that's unlikely but that that's a question that that pops up too and look I suppose you know as the results come in here we, we might talk about it uh, a little bit more around the Q&A anyway but um let, let's move on to to the UFC actually before we before we do that okay we t- last week we did a, a rating for the um for the for the fight like whatever the main event was last week i have such a bad memory i can't even do it so we're going to do this new thing i'm going to do my ratings dave Meltzer style feathers and wonder boy feathers and wonder boy that was it you yeah wonder boy you buried him you buried him in the last podcast you can't even remember him <laughs> lots of people came out to me from very wonder boys like oh he's off team sheen now you call him shit now i was like what i didn't say nothing but do you know what the weirdest thing to come out of that fight though is people are acting like anthony pettis had a great game plan it's like the dude got the shit beat out of him for fucking nine minutes, nine and a half minutes, and then had one piece of brilliance. It wasn't lucky shot, it was one piece of brilliance, and he won the fight. But there were a lot was, of people, there were a lot of people saying that. There's like, loads of people saying it. Yeah, it was like God Almighty. The, the, you know, history is really written by the victors, isn't it? Uh, well, a lot of people probably just see the the knockout or, or no, but like MMA minute. people, like people covering the sport, talking about what happens. Oh in yeah, life. yeah. What? I saw yeah, I saw a video being made about it and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw one as well. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, um, okay, we're go- from now on. I'm gonna rate every big fight. So if if it's a five round UFC man, like if it's a, a, a fight work rating, if it's that caliber of fight. I'm going to rate it. So go to severemeta.com forward slash ratings. It should be up in the next couple of days. And I'm going, I'm not doing it. I talked about last week doing the Dave Meltzer five star review, but I'm not. Instead, I'm doing, it's like figure skating. And I'm stealing this from, I've got addicted to uh, Barstool Sports, Dave Portner. He does this um, pizza review. He goes around and eats different, different pizzas every day and he rates it. So he's a 10 point scoring system. So I'm going to be very hard. Like a 10 point if you if it gets 10 it's that's a fight you we've never seen a 10 fight because you can never get better if you give it a 10 so it's going to be something like that this fight here so it's, it's one to ten this fight here gaethje 
versus um, Barboza was a pretty good fight. You know, it lasted two and a half minutes. It was it was pretty good. But that, to me, here's my rating for that fight. It was a good fight. Barboza, I'd, I, I don't think had the best game plan in the world. He didn't adjust brilliantly to, to Justin Gaethje's game plan. But it was still fun. It was it was a lot. Two and a half minutes of, of absolute madness. My rating for that is... 7.7. There you go. What do you think, Graham? 7.7. What do you think of that rating out of 10? <laughs> I didn't think you were going to go into points. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking maybe 7. Yeah, round numbers are rookie scores. You have to give the points. Yeah, I was thinking 7, but then, like, because 8 ended too high. It's a rookie score. Um, but uh, it was it was really entertaining, as, as most Gaethje fights are. Um, it's, there's always an anticipation of, of something's about to happen. And I think maybe the game plan for Barbosa kind of went out the window when Gaethje kind of landed a couple of hard leg kicks and he just wanted to like kind of land a couple of hard leg kicks back mm-hmm. and he was kind of more worried about that than, than anything it seemed <laughs> yeah it was it was mad how this fight descended just into madness after like nine seconds and I suppose it wasn't we were kind of expecting it but I was I was expecting like almost the exact opposite fight than what we got well maybe not the exact opposite but I was expecting Gaethje to come out Go forward nonstop, just trying to hit Barboza with everything he could, and Barboza countering him and hitting him with everything he can hit him with, because that's what happened against Tony Ferguson, and that's why you know last week I picked Bar, I picked uh, Gaethje, and I thought Gaethje would win, thinking about it, but kind of, I don't know, I maybe I thought about it <laughs> too much, you know, I got kind of paralysis by analysis there, and then I kind of half changed my mind, um, and watching the Tony Ferguson fight as mentioned, especially. Because Barbosa did so well against that attacking Tony Tony Ferguson, you know, balls out mentality. And I uh, maybe Gaethje watched that fight and he was a little bit more intelligent. And this is a good thing for, for Gaethje. Before we get into the fight totally, like, do you think Gaethje is changing up a little bit? He's still that exciting, unbelievable fighter. We saw a little bit against James Vick. We saw a little bit here as well. That he's picking his shots a little bit more. And more he's been, composure, yeah. yeah that, uh, he's not losing anything by doing that either, is he? No, he, just waiting a second instead of windmilling in there, like well, not that he's doing it that's that simplistically, but it's more it's it's even when he had him hurt, he, he just kind of waited for the shot, um, which is just a, I think like cage time and fighting high caliber guys, maybe like okay, he had a lot of cage time and World Series of Fighting and elsewhere, but not against the very top guys, but cage time against the top guys kind of teaches teaches you the the lessons. I think uh, it's the best way to learn in MMA is to is to kind of lose because of something and then you have to go back because of some flaw in your game or some over eagerness or whatever it is um so it's good that he's not just like oh well, i got caught and uh, everything i'm doing is perfect he's obviously working to try and become a better fighter and uh a lot of a lot of guys kind of can in his position where they're where the guys are like oh we can't wait for gaethje fight it's going to be an absolute war they can kind of get drawn into that and kind of be like kind of be influenced by the the anticipation and the, the fans and stuff like that but it's good that he's kind of shown the intelligence not to and maybe maybe in the future we'll see him mixing in his wrestling if he needs to which we've always kind of talked about he's a very good wrestler but hasn't really used it in the past mm-hmm. so so um if he can if he can keep being patient in there and mixing in a bit of wrestling maybe people or his opponents think about so not just striking then like you know he's 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 a very difficult fight for anybody yeah like i remember after, pressure is like it's really hard to overcome that at yeah, the start. I think it's it's really hard, like because I remember we were talking about um, Gaethje after one of his uh, after one of his losses, and I'd say five or six people sent in like uh, questions about should Gaethje 
uh, UC's wrestling more? Should he he change his style and everything? And I think we said exactly kind of what he did. He should he shouldn't change. What makes Gaethje great is his his forward motion, his his insanity, his his balls out nonstop going forward game. But he needs to add a little bit more nuance to it. Pick the shots a little bit better. You know, come forward, but come forward with a jab and a three or four. When a guy's backing out, as we saw Justin or as we saw um, Edson Barboza do, keep following him and hit him with those big shots and win that war. And that's what he seems to have done. That's what has made him uh, not made him a great fighter, but improved his game a lot. That that he can beat great fighters like this, and he's beat great fighters before. Don't get me wrong, but this looks like a, an even better Justin Gaethje, and it's and a great Justin Gaethje in the same way that we love Justin Gaethje. So we, if we we you know we're not losing Justin Gaethje, but we're we're gaining like this unbelievable fighter as well, which is which is really a joy to watch. And I suppose you know the fight as I mentioned, and you you were saying there about the, the leg kicks early. That that battle of leg kicks, it it seemed like. It seemed like it wasn't just a physical battle or, or a mental battle. It was like, uh, this is a battle that has to be won. It was like, you know, two guys going in there and they're, they're the best in the world at, at this one thing. And we have to battle for supremacy in this area. It, it was it was weird because it felt like it was just a leg kicking fight. You know them, uh, them fights where they put like the sandbags around their, their shins and the, the shin, what's the chin fighting? And they like kick each other shins and don't don't stop for like a half an hour and then one guy like falls down he can't walk anymore yeah, it, strong yeah, yeah 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 the straw on the shins and all yeah it reminded me of that and that was all i could think of when they were fighting in the first like 20 seconds and it was it it, it descended into that immediately and then gaethje hit him with that big right hand and i think the fight was was totally and utterly changed in that 40 seconds because I talked about the Ferguson fight and how Barboza did a great job of countering him and waiting for Ferguson to come forward. And he didn't really have to wait for him to come forward because he just came forward and then he hit him with those big counters and landed the cleaner shots. And then he, you know, Ferguson came through the uh, the storm and he ended up winning it in the end. But I thought if Gaethje was going to win, that was how he would win. Or if Barboza was going to win, that that's how he would win. He would win in that storm because he's really good in that position. But Gaethje didn't bring that storm as much. And then by hurting Barboza, he f- he forced Barboza to not l- go back on his back foot and look for those counters and try to get Gaethje to come on to him. He forced Barboza to fight out off the fence. He forced, Barbo- forced Barboza to come forward. And that was totally the wrong thing bar- for Barboza to do. You know you can't you can't be pulled into into a war against Justin Gaethje. You can't. You know if you're Barboza and you're in that position, you're fighting Gaethje. You want him to run onto you, come straight forward with his you know his hands down and his his chin up, throwing big shots so you can hit him one two three four five boom move out to the left one two three four five boom move out again exactly what he did against Ferguson. If you get stuck against the fence, you're hurt. He's pushing you back and he's landing those big shots. That's the worst thing that can happen against Justin Gaethje. And that's exactly what happened. And it was even worse because he was picking those shots so well. And, the, you know, the, the ending sequence, it was it was, it was, was pretty pretty simplistic, to be honest. But the kind of the key to it was how he turned his hip over. He threw the right hook. Barboza moved. And, it, like, watching it on replay, it felt like he moved way too far for Gaethje to actually hit him and to get enough power to knock him out, but Gaethje turned those hips over, extended that shot and hit him with the right hand. It was a little bit like Pettis. 
Now, the way the Pettis broke that distance by extending with the Superman punch. It wasn't quite a Superman punch, but it was like a leaping right hook. He just launched his hips forward, and it shows as well, I think, that does. How good of an athlete Justin Gaethje actually is. Something we forget a lot, isn't it? You know, Gaethje, we just think of this, this forward motion madman. But this dude yeah. is, is a really good athlete. Yeah, and people kind of forget about the wrestling as well. And he is a well-rounded uh, martial artist. He just chooses this style. It's not like this is the only style that could, that would work for him. Like, he, if he really wanted to, like, uh, for example, do what Overeem did over the years and kind of become a, a point fighter mm-hmm. in certain fights, I'm sure he could do that. You know, I, I've no doubt in my mind that he could land leg kicks on the outside, like land some strikes, land some takedowns, control. Like, but he doesn't. That's not his game. That's not what's worked for him. And. It's not as exciting, so I hope he doesn't. But um, in certain fights, he might have to. Um, um, when you come up against the very top guys and they're studying their camps and they're studying your game, and sometimes if you if you come in with the same game plan too many times, people people will just counter it and mix it up, and throw people off. And I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see that in in, in a just case you fight soon. But uh, I think I think for ninety percent of the time, at least, he's going to be. He's going to be, especially when he's not fighting the very, very top guys. He's going to be in these really exciting fights, yeah. and that's great. Like you need, like you need guys like this. Like UFC need guys like just the main event cards, guys who you can run a really good highlight reel on on the promo. Like you have Barboza, uh, loads of highlights throughout the years, and you have Gaethje. You need guys like these guys. Yeah, and Gaethje is that one guy as well who has kind of a stupid nickname that probably he gave himself <laughs> but he deserves it he deserves it because he is the highlight Justin Gaethje really is the highlight he's god he's such a great fighter he's one of these and I I've been thinking about tweeting this and I know people will get mad but I really think he's and I think I've said it before I really think he's the modern day Diego Sanchez and that is an absolutely no slight I love Diego Sanchez I really think he is that though because Diego Sanchez let's not forget Diego Sanchez fought for the UFC lightweight title he fought against BJ Pin in a you know war of a fight okay BJ Pin beat him and I'd like I'd be surprised if Justin Gaethje actually won the title but he you know he might but Diego Sanchez was a really good fighter and he you know he became this absolute madman legend of a fighter for his time you know if you look at the technique for technique of the two guys it's, it's incomparable but I really think he is that modern day guy and I love it because MMA is a sport which okay it, it changes so much it it improves so much and maybe there's there's a thought that you can't have a guy like this who's an absolute madman coming through and MMA is definitely getting a little bit more okay it's a little more, bit more technical which I love and you know most people probably listen to this podcast love but there's a lot of that when it's a lower kind of level of technical um proficiency that makes it a little bit more boring because you know if you have a junior b hurler match and it's a you know lad scoring lovely points it's great but it's never going to be that great is it but if kind of a fight breaks out it's going to be class so like if you like two top 90 ranked ufc lightweights and they go in and you know they have a nice technical fight for 15 minutes you're probably gonna be looking at your phone for half of that fight aren't you and not watching it much but if it descends into a brawl and madness like two lads just bending the heads off each other you're gonna enjoy that and i you know i think a part of that in mma that you know the, the kind of the visceral part of it that people still love and justin gage is kind of the apex of that he's kind of reached you know top what 10 in the world top five in the world at the moment and it's great to see that kind of staying in there, that that rawness and that madness is still part of MMA. But 
you know, I mentioned the title there, and okay, Justin Gaethje's not going to be fighting for the for the title anytime soon, I don't think. But how do you think he get on against the likes of Habib Magomedov? You know, we've talked before about how you beat Habib is probably forward pressure and not letting him take you down. Justin Gaethje, as you mentioned, really good wrestler. How do you think he do against Habib? I think Habib will probably just get him down early and do what he always just wear people out like he always does. But uh, it's kind of hard to call. We, we we haven't really seen Gaethje's wrestling against a top guy. Yeah. We've seen it. We've like we've heard about it. We've seen how how he can use it, but never against a top guy. And then Habib is is on is on, is on a really high level of uh, of wrestling as well. So. Uh, it's really hard to call, but like you definitely have to pick Khabib in that fight. Yeah, but it's hard to call how the red grappling would look, but you just have to make the assumption that that Habib's is going to be on another level. Yeah, I'd like to see it, and I think if Habib is not back uh, to fight the winner of Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier, um, maybe, maybe Justin Gaethje versus I think Max Holloway would win that fight. Maybe Gaethje against Max Holloway would be a a good fight. I'd love to see that fight. I think it'd be a it'd be fun great, fight. Great. It'd be absolutely great. But what do you think makes sense next for Gaethje? I, I mentioned Pettis. Um, uh, you know, I saw a few people mention a few different names as well. Maybe Poirier again if Poirier was to lose even because, uh, he, well, yeah, because Poirier beat him. So that might, might, might make a bit of sense then. Or, you know, I saw a few people mention Gregor Gillespie to kind of test him against that wrestling. Mm. And that'd be a big fight for Gregor Gillespie. But what do you think? I don't. Um, I don't think that's the fight to give Gregor Gillespie, but uh, yeah. I, I, I don't think he has the name for for Justin Gaethje to 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 want to fight him or to or for it to make sense to make that to make that fight right now. But yeah, like the Poirier rematch is a bit soon. So Pettis, the Pettis fight has just happened. I know uh, the Poirier fights in two weeks, but. I think the Pettis fight kind of does make sense. I know Pettis was kind of like you know he's he's not at the top of his game anymore, but he's coming off a, 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 a impressive big knockout against against a really good striker. Um, in, in a fight where you put him in, where you doesn't really have to worry about the takedowns, and we're yeah. kind of talking about Gaethje like not really putting them in. So like Pettis is probably going to be in an exciting fight anyway, but mm-hmm. especially if he doesn't have to worry about wrestling too much. Yeah. And Gaethje would probably be happy enough to go. I, I th- think he, oh, I can put pressure on him and knock him out because Pettis can be pushed back against the cage quite easily. Mm-hmm. He's happy enough to, to kind of go there. So, uh, it'd be an interesting fight and it, it lines up time wise. And again, you can make it a, it'd be a good main event for the UFC to put on. You can run a good promo and, um, yeah, I think it'd be, I think it'd probably be a really good fight. Mm-hmm, 100%. And for Barbosa, then, I, I saw someone saying it last night. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's unlucky that Barbosa is, is in this era, isn't it? Because I even, like, we'll get to Michael Johnson in a few minutes, but watching Michael Johnson last night, I just kept thinking to myself, if this was 10 years ago, this dude would be fucking the Demetrius Johnson of, of MMA. He's so much better than everyone else. And the same goes for Barbosa. He's just. He's unlucky that there are so many great fighters because he's, you know, he's a great fighter. Okay, last night wasn't his best performance uh, ever, and you know that was probably ninety percent down to Justin Gaethje forcing him to kind of have a bad performance and you know changing that fight as I said in, inside the first forty seconds where any game plan of Barbosa went out the window. But you know, it's I think we need to appreciate guys like Barbosa as well even more. You know that okay, he's never going to reach that that mountaintop. He's never going to be a UFC champion. But he's such an exciting, fun fighter, such a you know an A plus athlete, and always gives us, always always fights the toughest guys as well. If you look at Barbosa's record, this guy has fought you know just the 
absolute elite of the elite over and over and over again. Gaethje, you know, Hooker, Lee, Habib, Darius, Melendez, Pettis, Ferguson, Felder, Johnson, you know, going down towards then Cerrone, Jamie Varner even back, you know, when he was coming out of the UFC, Terry Adam, Ross Pearson, Anti Njikwani in his UFC debut. Like that list is is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I love a bit of Edson Barboza and I think, you know, people don't write him off after this as well because he's he's still a very good fighter and still has lots of fun fights left, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Like we always talk about it, but lightweight is like just so many really high level fighters in the, in the division. Like even like you know down at like you know, the UFC rankings are terrible, but down at like fourteen and thirteen is like Nate Diaz, James Vick. The top ten is, is really good. like Gregor Gillespie, Paul Felder, Gaethje, Cerrone, Barboza, oh. Kevin Lee, Ayaquinta. Oh, hold on, hold Poirier. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Eddie Alvarez just lost via first round KO in his one FC debut. Say again? Eddie Alvarez just lost via first round KO TKO. Oh really? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Who is he fighting? It's okay. Nobody. Nobody will know. Nobody. <laughs> nobody saw it anyway. <laughs> nobody saw it. <laughs> did it really happen? Yeah, it did really happen. Hold on. Oh, let me see if I if I could see a gif of it here uh, or something. Uh, we, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, but hold on. I'm just looking at it here. Okay, Alvarez is coming in, pressuring forward. Uh, his opponent's light on his feet, looking good. Hits him with a little bit of a left hook there. Alvarez coming forward again. Um, looking for that shot on the inside. Little bit of a leg kick there. I don't know how long this video is. Jab. Oh, right hand over the top. Left hand and he looks shook here. Right hand again. Alvarez up against the fence. Teeter and right hand down. Ground and pound here. Big shot and it stopped. So Alvarez just caught by three or four lovely counters. And uh, knocked out by Timothy Natsiokin. So fair play to Timothy. God, God bless you. <laughs> I love the way we're saying, oh, these lads are rubbish. They're gonna get <laughs> they're gonna get smashed by Eddie Alvarez. Wait for Demetrius Johnson to get get KO'd now. Whoa. <laughs> uh so yeah, let me let me just tweet out about that. Um uh, yeah, so what, what do you think of that? Eddie Alvarez losing? What what does that do for him? Uh it doesn't really do anything for him. We kinda already it didn't really matter what happens over in one FC. As long as as long as he doesn't just lose all his fights, like if he if he say goes four and two, I don't know how long his contract is, or three and one mm-hmm. over there, and he wants to come back to the UFC and say he can, like, but he's already kind of you know he's he's got to the t- he's got to the limits of, of where his game could take him. He got probably further than than he sh- than he should have nearly. Like, uh, okay, he knocked out Rafael Desanos like brilliantly. In spectacular fashion, I but love it. My favorite getting to that, ever. getting to that title shot was some very dodgy judges' decisions going on. <laughs> but uh, it's not as if you know he's a huge prospect coming up and all this, so he might as well go and make money. I suppose uh, fight where he's happy. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, I don't doubt he'll be happy with that. I don't, I don't this sometimes where I think this happens sometimes where guys like leave the UFC or leave Shea the big organization. Yeah, and they kind of don't take it as seriously anymore mm-hmm. they think oh this is just some non-UFC guy I'll go out and beat him or I'll fire the 170 you know like Eddie Alvarez yeah. um, and they kind of just take it a bit they're a bit lax about it and then something like this happens yeah it, do- it does happen a lot it used to happen a lot before around around that time with the, with the Shea Mills and all we used to talk about it a lot but yeah look Eddie Alvarez losing anyway and I suppose we'll react to that more on the Q&A and stuff when I get the, to watch the whole fight but you know definitely caught with, caught with those big fights and you know a good good finish as well for Timothy there uh, Eddie Alvarez is not easy out he beat Justin Gagey you, you know so make that fight Timothy Natsuyukin versus Justin Gagey make it happen let's let's do it uh, but let's get back to this UFC card here Jack Hermanson this guy he's just he, how, where's he come from like he's he's always been a good fighter but 
I don't know that I ever expect Jack Romanson to kind of to rise to this level. He came into the UFC and okay, he beat Scott Askin, but then he lost to, to Cesar Mochanch and then he lost to Thiago Santos as well, which I suppose you know there's not nothing against that. But he was beating kind of you know UK guys and and he beat Alex Nicholson, who's not the the best fighter in the world. But then he comes around, he beats Talis Lettis, uh, uh, you know. A veteran of the game, fought for the UFC title, beats Gerald Merchart, who's a you know a very good athlete, and then David Branch last night, but probably the best win of his career, in in what was it, forty nine seconds, really really good performance by Jack uh, Jack Hermanson, wasn't it? And this guy is, he, you know, he's 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 getting up there now as as a, one of the top contenders at uh at, well maybe not one of the top contenders, but he's coming towards that, isn't he, at middleweight? Yeah, he's definitely progressing, and um, it's it's always good when you see the, you kind of sometimes you kind of see these guys as kind of middling guys, guys that kind of maybe because they're they're of their nationality they might be on certain cards and they're not really given much of a second top. But sometimes they, they they progress kind of behind the scenes or kind of just slowly, and you kind of have to sit up and take notice when like Tali's late is like like you know he caused a lot of problems for any fighter. Um, David Branch, obviously, as well. Like, and th- this is a beautiful arm and guillotine, guillotine choke as well. Like, mm-hmm. if if you don't get that, you end up on the on the bottom. Like, and you kind of have to have a good bit of belief in in the technique that you're going to execute it to go for that, especially early in a fight where where you're doing well. So he's obviously got grown in confidence as well, and his ability has grown. And um, <laughs> it's hard it's hard to to know how he'll look against the very top guys because we just haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. But I don't see him doing that well. But outside of the, the the very top guys, like the kind of top six or seven or eight, like yeah, you know, he's just after beating David Branch. You know, he's a roughly top ten guy. And how would he do against Brad Tavares or Antonio Carlos Jr. or Uriah Hall? Yeah, I think he, I think he could do pretty well against all of them. Beat all of them. I like that when Uriah Hall like, fight. Yeah, but when you get to like Weidman. Adesanya, Gastelum, Jacare, like you know, these guys. I think he still has progressing to do, but you never know. Like maybe, maybe when he fights these guys, he can step up to the to some guys fight at the kind of level of their their opponents or kind of rise to the occasion or are able to drag guys down to their to their game. Like for example, uh, Rafael Asensio. Mm-hmm. So it, it's yet to be seen, but it wouldn't be picking him against any of the very top guys. Yeah. But he's definitely he's definitely making leaps in in his game and if he keeps doing it, you know, it's it's he's only 30 like it's not it's not as if he's that old like he still has time and in, in the heavier divisions you kind of have a bit more time maybe age-wise than in the, in the younger divisions. So I wouldn't rule him out yet to to maybe keep progressing and get get maybe beat a guy or two in the in the top 6 or 7, but I don't see him ever ever telling you for a title yeah he's so confident in his game like I, I always used to kind of joke about him being a flyaway at fighting in a middleweight's body just jumping around the place going mad and he he keeps on doing that but now he's going for these takedowns that trip he got he got a tie up in the middle of the cage hit him with a beautiful trip kicked the legs right out from under him and i i, I know we we you know we're not jujitsu experts or anything like that maybe the some jujitsu expert can come out and explain what what i kind of happened here in the end but dominic cruz was was giving out a little bit about it, but for me, looking at it, I thought Hermanson was just brilliant. The way he tied him up, he got that uh, hand in under the uh, under the armpit, and then t- you know went around and took that submission straight away. And okay, 
Uh, Dominic Cruz was kind of saying that Branch should have immediately moved his knee out from under him, pushed it away, like, you know, McGregor against Mendez style and rolled out of it then. Uh, and he didn't do that. But I think Hermanson with those big long legs as well, when they're kind of caught around you, it's harder to get out. And if you are getting out, you might be giving up your back or giving up the mount or something then. So maybe David Branch thought, here, I might be better off fighting the, the arm and guillotine rather than, you know, ended up in, in mount or with my back taken or something like that. And okay, it was a bad decision in the end, but brilliant by, by uh, yeah. Jack Hermanson too. And these to days, a lot of guys decision. don't jump on guillotine because if you don't get them and they're yeah. not that high a percentage uh, finish like so maybe he's maybe he's thinking I ah, probably won't go for this when obviously he did and he went for it he went for it full on and it looked very tight and like it's easy to say afterwards oh you should have done this you should have done that but <laughs> it's it's much harder in there obviously yeah 100% and uh, we, we kind of jumped down just as you mentioned jumping for guillotines and pulling gardens off Paul Craig got another submission by a triangle with, with <laughs> 40 seconds left. 40, yeah. Just, God, you know, Lou Thomas kind of tweeted about it, how it was uh, a kind of a wise game plan for him to keep pulling guard. Uh, and it it was. You know, he won, he won the first round. He lost the second. Uh, there was loads of eye pokes and stuff. Uh, Kennedy got a point taken in the third. And it looked like it was it was going for a, a draw. Although, the, you know, the first round, it could have really gone either way. And then Craig pulls it out of nowhere. Beautiful triangle. He was getting, you know, he got both sides of his head cut, I believe, with those uh, McGregor elbows and Travis Brown elbows, whatever you want to call them. Just got, got battered around the place. And then he came back and, and he won. Paul Craig has never been to a decision. His last fights have, have ended, I think, with one second left, 40 seconds left, and nine seconds left or something like that. And he lost one of them, of course. But um, Paul Craig, he's... <sighs> I don't know what it is about Paul Craig. Like, he's not the, the best fighter in the world. Don't get me wrong, he's a good fighter. But he just, he has that ability to pull it out of nowhere, doesn't he? And that that's the kind of thing that's, that, that doesn't happen as much in MMA either anymore, isn't it? Because, the you know, the, the technical proficiency, even of people that can't say that word. But um, good win for Paul Craig, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it kind of looked like he, he kind of missed his chance for the triangle. Yeah. And, um but he just kind of stayed there and went for it again. And he's done this before, and he's definitely he's definitely really good at submissions. Once once you give him a you make a mistake, he will capitalize. He showed that against Carl Moore. He shown he showed that when his last second finish. He's he's shown that here, but he does have a lot of holes in his game yeah. still. And he, he's too happy to or he seems too happy or to be on his back or like against top guys. That's not going to work. Like and it's just you're just going to get you're just going to get pounded into the mat. So uh, just. Like I think he's only been a, a full time fighter for a year or two now. He used to be a teacher. I think he's a full time fighter now. So maybe he can put it together. But his striking needs a lot of work, and he needs to be more urgent about getting up or not getting taken to the ground. Mm -hmm. Like obviously he's coming off a, a really nice, spectacular come, come from behind win here. But that's not going to work every time, especially when you as you go up against better guys in the division mm -hmm, 100%. and then you know I, I mentioned Michael Johnson earlier on and if I called him a main event totally incorrectly in terms of how it would go technically I think this fight from like the first 20 seconds you could see exactly how it was going to go it, it was Michael Johnson absolutely dominating Josh Emmett just piecing him up using his lint going to win you know probably at 30 27 if not a, a one or two 10 eight rounds in there probably probably not but it was it was coming close to that although the, the third round uh, josh emmett definitely came back but this was a fight where one guy was piecing the guy up another guy was just looking for that one big shot and it only takes one i think i tweeted it twice and then it 
all it, what did it do? It only took one, a big overhand from Josh Emmett. It was the double fake that did it. Emmett faked with the jab inside. He was looking for that. Then it was like, oh no, the jab was fake because he's coming low, going for a takedown. Then he went low, looking for a takedown. Fake that as well. Came up, back up, over the top with the right, over the top. And he could not have seen it coming. Beautifully set up, beautifully executed. Tough one for Michael Johnson because he was winning that fight. Well, it was probably, I said 30 27, it was probably going to be 29 28, maybe 29 27 if, if uh, Judge was was feeling uh, generous. But it, Josh Emmett. Who knows? Because the judges don't seem to be able to add up 10s and 9s yeah, uh, on this card. Oh, there was one of them. I think, what, what happened? Was there a 10 8 or something? I saw someone giving out about that. No, well, yeah, one of the one of the judges, um, there was a, a scorecard posted online and he, he didn't add up the, the 10s and the 9s correctly. But. Uh, Luckily, it didn't affect who who won the fight on on his scorecard or in general. But yeah, <laughs> you should really be able to add tens, nines, and eights together. Mm-hmm. This this fight, it just shows in MMA. You can be like a technically better fighter. You can dominate a fight, but you can knock a guy out with one shot. Like it's 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 not just oh i'm looking for that one big shot to knock him out that's an actual game plan like that's a way of actually fighting and i think as well maybe josh emmett wasn't given enough credit for kind of waiting to up the pace in the third because <coughs> as i die here michael johnson we've seen him before you know he's dominated guys early he dominated habib well maybe not dominated but he did well against habib early but there's no one in mma i don't well maybe not no one in mma but michael johnson is one of the worst culprits in mma and culprits the wrong word for looking great and then kind of it all going to shit very quickly <laughs> if you know what i mean like he's he was like talking to me like come on come on i'm beating you, i'm beating you. I'm like just roaring at him and then all of a sudden he's like oh no i might lose this fight it's like mentally he just he just gets negative in his own brain and then he gets knocked out it, it, it's like clockwork sometimes with michael johnson and if he doesn't get a guy out of there, it's it, this happens to him so many times. It's happened to him so many times now that it's it's not a coincidence anymore. And like take nothing away from Josh Emmett, but it was Josh Emmett's forward pressure and his uh, and his additional output in the third round that did it. And maybe it's because Johnson's a little bit slower, or maybe not as as crisp as he was in the first two rounds. And that was the reason I, I'd like to think Emmett planned that. Although he's been out for like eighteen months as well, so you know, great win by Emmett and a, and a great finish. What about? What about Michelle Waterson versus Karina Kovalkiewicz? This was the best performance of Michelle Waterson's career, wasn't it? Yeah. Just fantastic performance. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance. She's she's been around for so long. Like she was, what was that called? Fight Girls or something? Back yeah. in the years and MTV years ago, she was on that. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called. Fight Ch- Fight Chicks or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, her and Fleece Herrig and Fleece Herrig is kind of similar. She's been yeah. still improving as well. But Michelle Waterson is. You know, she's been around the game for a long time and usually when people have been around the game for this long they kind of plateau a little bit but she's definitely improving all the time and um it's a really good performance because I, I i would have picked against her in this Me fight too, yeah. um and she she, she deserves a win and uh, she's she, she's very tough to come up against because she, she's dangerous she's dangerous enough everywhere okay she's not really going to knock you out or anything but uh, but she she can strike and she can strike with, with somebody who's a very good striker in not like okay she her game that isn't really her game but she, she's competent there and when she does get to the ground she's dangerous with submissions and she's able to she's able to dominate and side control and all that and that's 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 very difficult to deal with uh, um for a lot of fighters in that division okay when you come up against the very best maybe maybe Michelle Watterson won't have the belt but. She's an exciting fighter. She's good looking, which which the UFC will, will push. 
Um, and she's this very is, marketable too, isn't she? You know, yeah. mother and everything, and yeah, funny and good fighter and improving and yeah, and her yeah. and her fights are fun to watch as well. They're not boring fights. Yeah. Like, she, like so, like Watterson as well. As you said, she's improved so much. But the thing about this is, it's it's not just improvements in her technique and all. It's her improvements, like in her game planning and her ability to produce f- fights like this. Where before, you know, she's the karate hottie. She's a she's a striker. Everyone knows it. But she, her wrestling has improved an awful lot, and her ability to use her wrestling as well, that head and arm throw, which she's really really good at. And you know, a lot of people saying, "Oh, you can only do yeah. it in kind of women's MMA because they're so small and everything." And it, that is true for uh, for a large extent. But Kovalkiewicz has the best wrestling defense. I think they were saying on on the broadcast last night in that division and for her to take her down twice so easily that was brilliant also on, yeah. on top she I think I think her yeah. I think her ground game and her wrestling is probably better, better I agree than her striking. I yeah. agree yeah because she's a bit you know she's small as well she's a 105 pounder really she was the champion in Invicta at 105 pounds so she's undersized for this division as well now Kovalkiewicz is not the biggest in the world either but the fact as well that I, I was looking at that second round I was saying you know maybe Kovalkiewicz still won that round uh, coming towards the last 20 seconds of her or something because she got to take on but she didn't really do much in it and she was inside control now but there was there was no real effective grappling or um, striking on the ground apart from the takedown itself well then she landed a couple of big elbows and definitely won that round uh, 100% the first round I had for Kovalkiewicz even though Watterson started very well with the striking and then the third uh, it was even again but um, Watterson got that big big takedown she landed a big elbow uh, as well uh, towards the end once they got back up to the field I believe so you know a, a really good performance a lot of people talking she could be next for the, the title I I think the winner of uh, Tatiana Suarez versus Nina Ansarov is definitely ahead of her in, in that uh in that debate with obviously um, Rosalind Yunus fighting Jessica Andrade coming up here pretty soon, but it's I, I kind of tweeted it last night that the division has been asleep a little bit for for the last six months. Um, you know Rosalind Yunus has been away and she hasn't been fighting, recovering from injuries and things, I believe. But she's coming back and now look, there looks like there's two big contenders emerging here. Uh, you know Watterson is definitely a big contender and Suarez versus Ansarov. That's a good. Fight. I wouldn't rule Ansarov out of that fight. I think Suarez will win it, but Ansarov has improved an awful lot. She's another person who's improved very, very much uh, over the last uh, couple of years, and that's a, a very good fight. And a lot of very good fighters coming up through yeah. there. So I think Suarez that. will probably beat Ansarov. Just her wrestling and yeah. grappling is just on a different level, and I think she's going to be too big and too good at wrestling for Michelle Waterson as well. Me too. Yeah, I think she's a nightmare matchup for everybody in the mm-hmm. division. Hundred uh, percent. Shadiq Yusuf then. Uh, got a good win as well over Shamir Rice. Reminds me a little bit of, of Jose Aldo and the way he fights. Not in the, not in the quality of how he fights or anything, but you know it was, it was a good performance. He 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 changed the fight up late with that big right hand straight down through the middle underneath that upward elbow. Um, it, you know he, he won the first round, lost the the second round, and and then he came back with that. It was it was uh, it was a pretty good uh, by him. Jessica Aguilar got into an absolute war uh, as well. There and lost to uh, Marina Rodriguez in a, in a pretty good fight. Desmond Green got a good finish as well, and the rest went to a, a decision as well. Uh, Kevin Holland got a win over Gerald Marshart, who we mentioned earlier as well. And Ross Pearson lost. He lost for the tenth time in his last fifteen fights. So could this be the end of the line for Ross Pearson in the UFC? Um, I think it probably will, to be honest. And, and you know, it's sad because Ross Pearson's always been been a, a fun guy. But look, these these things happen in MMA, as I say. Um, Bellator didn't have a card. At the weekend, it was a uh, fight of the year contender versus Syed Awad and Brandon Gertz. I thought Gertz definitely did did enough to win, and he, he managed to get a 29-28, but that was, this is a back-and-forth, non-stop, absolute war. 
really, really good fight. Daniel Strauss then came in and defeated Shane Crutchen. A very good uh, win for him coming back off of not being able to walk not too long ago. So fair play to Daniel Strauss. Really, really good win. Josh Schilling got a, a unanimous decision win as well. And Andre Karishkov looked good against Mike Jasper as well in his kind of comeback fight there. So I'd love to see Karishkov fighting Rory McDonald here over the next couple of years. What do you think of that fight? Yeah, definitely. That's that's a great fight. But uh, for, I was uh, like, they need if they're going to be on 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 Sky Sports and actually make a push at this. Like, I, I don't I don't know if Bellator are actually happy just to be the second promotion or or they want to actually kind of compete evenly with you if you try to overtake them. They, I think they need they need to make these big fights. But then, like Kretschkov and Wormetal. But then, once you make them, then you kind of what do you do with Wormetal next? Then. Mm-hmm. That kind of becomes a problem. He's fighting John Fitch you know, now, like so. Yeah, yeah, nobody cares about that. Like, yeah, it is. You know, it, they're in a tough position, but there is. You need more guys. They need to yeah. be signing more guys, and they need to be taking guys from the UFC more. Like, not just Rory, like and Gegard, guys that the UFC are kind of happy enough to let go. Kind of guys that have kind of shown that they're not gonna, they're not gonna live up to, the, or they're not gonna be a star beyond. Beyond the the hardcore fans, they're not good. like Roy McDonald's a bit a bit known, but nobody's really like nobody's ever asked me about Roy McDonald, really? the casual MMA fan. Like nobody's been like, oh, when's Roy McDonald fighting next? You know, you might get like, oh, when's Anderson Silva fighting next, or when's you know George St Pierre fighting next, or when's yeah. Connor fighting next, or when's Habib? You know, you might get something like that, but they need to pull if they want to actually compete. They need to pull somebody over who's actually a star. Do they have the scope to even like you know we talked about one FC earlier on and you know even if they get a star on almost anyone except the top three or four they they're not going to be able to do anything with them regardless like the Bellator have that scope to do that uh, I don't like the, those three letters UFC mean an awful lot as well still I think yeah it's very hard to make your own star like I know yeah Strike Force kind of had Ronda Rousey and kind of made their own star there obviously. Um, the UFC didn't have the division, so it was kind of easier. But yeah. maybe the 125 is where you're going to do it. But it's t- people just aren't the fan, casual fans just aren't interested in these smaller guys. It's 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 really hard for Bellator unless they just actually manage to pluck somebody who's actually selling pay per views. Like it's very hard to like you see have them guys locked down like John Jones, Conor McGregor, like Habib, maybe like Nick Diaz or something. If they could get him over there, but yeah. Does he still have the power after like, what, like 14 years of, of not fighting? Mm-hmm. Wherever long it's been, I can't <laughs> yeah. remember. Like, it's an interesting it's one. Really, isn't it? It's really tough. Like, if, if they want to compete, they they, they got to make moves. Like, having a TV deal is great and all that stuff in in, in the UK or in the UK and Ireland and being on TV in, in America. But if you actually want to make a go of it with the UFC, which maybe they don't, maybe they're happy to just, you know, with their numbers and what they're doing and how it's been running. And, Maybe that is the case, and that's fair enough. But I think it'd be good for MMA, it'd be good for the UFC to have a, a rival that like they did, like with Pride and mm-hmm. e- even with Strike Force when they had the kind of like Fedor and they had when Fe- when people actually cared about Fedor and uh, he was relevant. And they had they had a few guys like they had a heavyweight tournament. They had like Cormier coming up. They had you know they had Josh Barnett. Like they had a good heavyweight tournament and they had they had some good guys but now when you look around maybe maybe we're just missing some guys that they could sign that that, that are going to be future stars but i think you're going to have to if you want to compete you're, and you want to get the best guys you're going to have to pay them a lot of money and to get them from the ufc 
um, maybe like Trump did when he had affliction. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's I don't see that happening. Better. They, they seem happy enough to to just kind of do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, It'd be healthier for MMA though if they did try to challenge you. So yeah, be healthier well, for both promotions. I don't know if it's possible. Though. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even sure it is possible. Because as, as you said, you hit the big problem there. Like, if okay, if Roy McDonald, let's say he was a big star, who's he gonna fight? You know, because big stars need big competition to draw big numbers. Unless you're a Floyd or a Conor or Manny Pacquiao or whatever. You know, John Jones. How how much did he draw against Anthony Smith? Probably not as much as as he drew in. You know. He's Cormier fighter or whatever. He's comeback fights. So that's you know that's that's an interesting one as well. I suppose like even like when they sign yeah. guys like Rampage or they sign guys like Tito or they sign guys like Darth Bader, like even Rampage would probably be the biggest kind of past star out of, the, out, of the, out of those three or not Tito probably, but re- recently anyway, uh, you might you might say oh Rampage Jackson's a big signing, but when he goes over there, it doesn't really affect their anything it doesn't affect their like they don't sell loads of pay-per-views the, the numbers aren't really affected on tv mm-hmm. it, need, it needs to be somebody who's at the top of the game now not who's like a legend because it's 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 tough though like you know as you say like if you do get this guy like you've got to say oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna give you this much money and you got to have guys for him to fight you're not gonna just put him in there against crap guys and then people will lose interest, you know, even if you have somebody like MVP and he's he's in there against a bunch of guys nobody's heard of, people get tired of that pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. Um, like, MVP is the one one of the guys, though, that they could, they could make something over. They could, if, yeah. If, they, if, if, they, if, they, if they manage him correctly, like they've kind of, I don't know who's botched it, maybe it's his side or their side or both sides, but he shouldn't still be in the situation where he's fought Paul Daly and nobody Paul else. Daly, yeah. But he's going to be, who's he fighting next? He's fighting, um, uh, what's oh fuck? What's his name? Ex UFC or ex Bellator champion D- uh, Lima Douglas Lima next. So that's going to be an interesting fight. Definitely an yeah. interesting fight. And uh, as well, Demetrius. These, these kind of fights should have happened mm-hmm. before. Like you know, there was there was a bit of hype behind MVP before, and now it's kind of died. Even though he's not died, but it's kind of gone down a bit. Even though he's just after having the biggest win of his career, people are kind of just kind of fed up, or just kind of exhausted, or just not as interested as before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Demetrius Johnson just got knocked out in the first round. <laughs> nah, <money job>. <laughs> no, no, he won by a guillotine, yeah. I, 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 was, I was hoping you'd go like, I, I was hoping you'd buy that there, but no, you didn't. You just know sell, sell that straight away. <laughs> yeah, he, no, he lost. Or he won by a guillotine in the first round, yeah. The McKinsey team, <laughs> no, actually. he lost. <laughs> McKinsey team, uh, beautiful, beautiful, strong arm guillotine, Cody McKinsey style, so... Pretty, uh, pretty impressive by, by Demetrius Johnson. We'll still make the Q&A free this week. Feel free to send us in. <laughs> what do you mean, allegedly? Uh, I didn't see it. I, li- I lied once. Yeah, but it was good. Uh, it was good. Uh, you mentioned John Jones there. Um, and before we, we kind of get to the questions, let's mention a couple of these fights that were announced uh, during the week. He, John Jones, being the best heel in MMA that he is, kind of said, oh, wh- how would you think about me fighting Steve in July? And then like an hour later, it was announced that he was actually fighting Thiago Santos. Uh what do you think about that? What do you think of this Thiago Santos fight? Should we all okay? For me, we've always looked at John Jones. I have anyway, at least, and saw thought to myself, it's going to be very hard to beat John Jones technically and beat him over five rounds, or get yourself into a position where you can dominate John Jones to finish him. I think everyone would, would probably agree with that. But then the question is, how do you actually beat John Jones? And maybe it's this guy that can wa- land that one big shot early. Mm. <laughs> so, Diego Santos, 
he is one of those guys that can land that one big shot. No, I'm not saying he beat John Jones or anything like that, but yeah. it's an interesting fight for like the first two rounds, isn't it? To see if Thiago Santos can yeah. actually get anything off. Yeah, well, he had some good, like, you know, he's beaten Jack Manson, Anthony Smith, Jimmy Manoa, Jan Blakowicz. You know, he lost it to Dave Branch, but like, he's had, a, like, since, <laughs> since what, 2017, he's been, he's been, he's beaten Jack Marshman as well. He's only got one loss in 2017. So he's on a bit of a, a streak and he's, he's, He's looking good, but John Jones is a completely different animal to, to any of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, he's putting he's putting these guys away. I think he's 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 only been to a decision once against Kevin Holland in, uh, in his last what one, two, three, seven fights, mm-hmm. eight fights. So he's he's definitely he's definitely dangerous, and he can finish it. But John Jones is just nothing like these guys, and it's it's just. He's just so much more talented and skilled uh, than Thiago Santos. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> he's just way better, yeah, you'd know. Yeah, he's just way better, yeah. <laughs> don't, bother, don't, don't bother even turn up, Thiago. Just stay at home. You'll be grand. Well, anything can happen in MMA, but... Uh, uh, Canada. I was thinking about yeah, that. Like, like, Matt Hamill beat him. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, that, was a, that was a deserved victory, so... Um, yeah, that elbow. Yeah, that elbow still uh, sore from the, from uh, the headbutt. <laughs> Um, Holly Holm is fighting Amanda Nunes for the 135 pound title Holly Holm um, is like she's like the Frankie Edgar title shot. yeah I saw someone saying that she really is isn't she she, uh, she keeps getting them. but look I, I'm looking forward to that fight I think it'll be a good fight I think they, they made a huge misstep by not making the cyborg fight again I don't know does Amanda Nunes not want it but I think that fight I don't know Holly Holm fights like I don't know. They're they're usually bad. I think more than more than good usually. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not great. It's like but... Point fighting for a long time, and uh, obviously she had some like nice head kicks of Betchko Hay and Anderson, or not Anderson Silva, Ronda Rousey. But uh, but like, and she's kind of she's been in the great fight with Misha Tate, and uh, she's been in some good fights. But generally, like a lot of her fights can be slow, kind of plodding sparring matches. Mm-hmm. If if the opponent lets her, that's what she'll do. I, I agree, but I also think maybe I, I got taken away a little bit. But I, I like the kind of the game when you're fighting Holly Holly Holm. The game is a foot Sherlock Holmes style. Like, how are you going to break down that distance? How are you going to deal with Holly Holm? I always like seeing how people do that. But yeah, I can I can definitely see it from that point as well. It's it's it can descend into kind of boringness, like a little bit like Wonderboy against Woodley in those couple of fights. It, that definitely descended into being a bit boring. But I think you enjoyed those fights as well more than more than probably most. Slayton Wonderboy again. Stamping was great. How dare! How dare! What else was announced? Let me look at my thing. Woodley versus Lawler too. Wh- why? What? Woodley versus Lawler. Wh- what? Yeah. Why? I don't understand. Random fight generate, generate <laughs> yeah, machine. What was that? Like ga- what was that game that like Butter was pushing yeah. a few years ago on God. Twitter? Yeah, it was like he started random matches. That's like the main event of his like card with like Connor versus Habib on the the prelims, isn't? It? Yeah, that's. <laughs> and uh, Sahuda versus uh, Marlon Moraes as well. We we probably talked about it loads of times, and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about it more. But you know, it's unfortunate. It looks like the nail in the the coffin. For um for the flyweight division, but look, these things happen in MMA. Uh, okay, questions here, <laughs> questions here. Sign up for Patreon as well, because Graham, I believe you you have something big happening this week, don't you? And you need people to sign up for Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash MMA podcast. What's happening this week? <laughs> I'm getting married uh, next week. Congratulations! Are you going to having like I know you're going out far to get married, but are you having any party in Dublin or anything? All the severe MMA podcast lads can come and buy us points and stuff. You should. I that. went out on Friday for a bit of an engagement party. Uh, he, oh uh, yeah, I never got an invite. 
Yeah, bad you know, no, no buggers. Bad form. You're better off, actually. Yeah. I'm only joking. No, uh, it was the last minute. Just kind of went out for a few drinks with a few mates. But, uh, nah, just, just, just uh, nothing nothing major. Mm-hmm. Sign up, on Patreon, isn't it? You do a wedding yeah, paper. Yeah, <laughs> You've got points to pay for. Points to pay for, exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, first question here over on, over on Twitter. Uh, who was it sent it in? They asked how do you think the Liverpool match will go this evening anyway, just to give us an excuse to get that out of the way. I don't like when these after these international breaks, it's always kind of makes it a bit more unpredictable, I think. Mm-hmm. Teams can kind of be sluggish and the, the, the game can kind of be a bit dire. Like I see this maybe being like a nil all or something. If 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 the game starts off slow for the first twenty minutes, it could just turn into it like this nil all. But uh, I do think Liverpool have a, have a, like their team is a lot better than than Spurs's, and I think Hugo Lloris is a is Rubbish, yeah. very dodgy <laughs> at the moment. Someone someone argued with me once that he was better than David De Gea. I'm like, what what is your problem? Like, he's well, maybe shy. when at the start when De Gea came. No no in. no, this was like a year ago. Oh no, okay, no. Yeah, he's shite. I, I'm hoping he, he for has a, a real tendency for running off his line, just like yeah. a crazy person, and it's just like, yeah, rubbish. not really needed to to come off his line. But he come, like he's he's trying to be too aggressive or something. And, okay, these keepers that that are playing on the front foot, they're going to make mistakes, and you you, you got to accept that. And even the best in the world are going to make a few mistakes every season, and and you, and that's part of the, that's part of the the game you're playing. But Larice is making too many, I think. Yeah. It was Kieran Gaffney asked for a score prediction. You're going with Neil Alia. I'm going. I'm going with. Uh, well, I, think if, I think. I think if. I think Liverpool will probably win, but I have this strange feeling like these, these international break games where if it starts off slow, it could turn into one of these nil alls. Yeah, it's it's at Anfield though. I, I'd probably fancy Liverpool to win. I'm hoping for a draw, obviously, because I, I you know, Man United could could finish third if Tottenham uh, <laughs> go, go to shit. But I would. I'd rather Man United finish fucking get relegated than Liverpool win the league. So. Uh, hopefully, oh, man, not getting relegated would be so much fun. <laughs> oh, God, Liverpool win the league would be the opposite of that. It'd be like the worst thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. I'm what if Liverpool leave. won the do- What if Liverpool won the Champions League and the league? Uh, I, yeah, that'd be fairly insufferable. I wouldn't. I wouldn't care too much. <laughs> like, fairly insufferable. As long as they don't win the league, as long as like the Champions League doesn't even matter. The Champions League does. They won that. Of course, the Champions League is the most important trophy. No, there's the, no. To me, the continental versus the provincial. How dare you? How dare? You? Okay, let's get into a few of these um, uh, Patreon questions. Sean Dini, are Keith Peterson and Jason Herzog, Herzog even the low-key best refs in MMA at the moment? Yes. Jason Herzog's the best anyway Key Peterson has improved an awful lot as well I think he's very good he's still prone to a little bit of madness but no he's, he's very probably number two I think Jason Herzog I can't, why can I not say his name Herzog is by far bring, the best bring referee. back bring back Kim Winslow that's what I said that is a fact I agree with that if <laughs> if oh yeah Big Francis is fighting JDS as well uh, where mm. would he stand in the all time heavyweight goat list ah oh, well God, he is you know he is you know but yeah, yeah he definitely gets uh, get himself a title shot as well I like that who do you think to win that fight JDS and Big Francis <sighs> Big Francis um <laughs> Barely pick, I go in Ganu, but I'm still kind of wary after that horrendous performance. That's kind of like yeah. if that hadn't happened, I'd be picking him no problem. Well, not no problem, but I'd be picking him more confidently. But the, the, he only had a tiny bit of cage time since, and Junior Santos has kind of kind of changed up his game a little bit recently. He's 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 kind of made good adjustments, and he's kind of I think he's I think he's getting he, for a while he was kind of just. He beat up so badly by Cain Velasquez over two over those two fights that he that he just kind of looked a shadow of his former self, but he's kind of regained a bit of a bit of a bit of that. So uh, and Francis Ngannou has kind of shown shown that weakness in that fight, but 
has looked so has, has gone back to what he was doing before since then. So I'd probably go with Nganu, but I, I, it's a good fight. I'm not sure. It's a good fight. It's a good yeah, fight. It's a good fight. Uh, Sean Dini, who's the most powerful featherweight, Emmett or McGregor? I, well, McGregor's retired now, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, pro- probably McGregor. You know, we did a podcast on on the McGregor retirement uh, as well over on Patreon. Myself and Phil did one, so if you want to listen to that, he'd be there. What are okay? Can will Conor McGregor be back? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, I think he will as well. Um, should Paul Craig save his energy and only throw up triangles in the last minute of the fight? <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> it's to be what he did. Yeah, that, is what he did. <laughs> that is what he did. Oh, I like this from the soup lad, Kieran Stapleton. Would you give a limb to watch Robbie Lawler versus Justin Gaethje? I fucking would. Yes. Definitely not. What? Why not? <laughs> give oh, a limb. Give it a well. Um, Thomas Laney, how End good was I poke in a few seconds and you're left without an arm? How good was Jack Romanson tonight to submit a high level Gracie black belt on as on another level? Where'd you see him in the next twelve months? Who's for him? Yeah, it's you know where where do you see him in the next twelve months? He he looks like a guy who's okay. You said it earlier on. Maybe he's not going to be a champion or anything like that, but. I wouldn't put it beyond the, the you know the realms of insanity for him to fight for a title maybe or fighting a number one contender fight. You know, there's lots of good guys there. Paulo Costa, I think that'd be a good fight. Derek Brunson, as you mentioned, Brad Tavares is kind of the yardstick for middleweights. One of them next maybe, and then maybe move him up. You know, obviously Gaslam is fighting Adesanya coming up here pretty soon. So, you know, lot, lots of good fights for for um for Jack Hermanson coming up uh, coming up here soon. All right, as I said, the Q and A is going to be free this week, so uh, choose the morning. Head on over there and uh, give that a listen. If you have any more questions here on, on Sunday night, send them in. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Limerick are going to win the league today. I was supposed to come up, but uh, I, had a, I, had a few, I had a few technical tweaks getting there. So when does the, when does the cup start? This is kind of the cup. The, you know, the league is kind of the secondary thing. But Limerick have won the league since 1997. Obviously, they had won the All-Ireland since 1973 before last year. So if they could win both in the space of six months, it would be like the most insane. Like, for me, as, as a Liverpool fan who was born in the late 80s, you must understand like that you'd be kind of shit for years. But you've know, been hoping and hoping and hoping to get a great team. And then you kind of have got a great team. No, I'm, 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 this is not a slagging this is just true like you were shit for years like and now you were like shit, a great like i don't know about that like, like, not like limerick shit. Shit. well <laughs> yeah well uh, there's a lot less hurling teams but now limerick have like limerick have the best team in ireland like it's it makes me so happy it's so great they're, they're probably gonna win today okay they might lose but who cares anyway well i care but they can be uh league, league champions of ireland of the world yeah, they're world champions. Like Limerick are reigning <laughs> hurling world champions. They are like I'm, I'm going full American football here. We are the, <laughs> we're the champions of the world. It makes me so happy. I've I've dreamed for my whole life of having a team as good as this, and now we have it. It's great. So fair play to Limerick. Thanks everyone. More I know, dreams um, coming true in Dublin for for Sean Sheehan. Yeah, although I'm not going to them, so that's that's unfortunate. But we actually a couple of Limerick hurlers actually listened to this podcast as well. So a shout out to them lads. Congratulations on the win today. Um. Uh, <laughs> even though it hasn't happened gone out now having a bit of a barbecue and stuff so bit of, bit of crack Graham of, of this uh, of this beautiful summer's eve congratulations on, on the nuptials coming up this week I hope she doesn't run away at the uh, at the altar or anything which <laughs> you know she probably she probably should do if she knows who she's marrying but uh, <laughs> anyway. thanks to everybody for listening and all that's left now is the inspirational quote of the week sometimes what you're most afraid of doing is the very thing that will set you free. We'll see you next Tuesday, or probably Sunday.